All right. Well, I better, I better get into preaching, uh, otherwise I'll get distracted. It's, it's interesting this morning having, um, having some other people behind the, behind the camera, a congregation, if you yeah. will. So I'm, I'm going to be looking at them and making sure that they're not falling asleep, Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is what usually happens on Sunday mornings, right? Yeah, you know who you are. <laughs> you know who you are, you back row people. Um, So this morning I want to follow on from what I was speaking about last week, um, and uh, yeah, it's something that I, I I really feel like God is talking to me and to us about as as a church. And I know that there's lots of you that are listening that they're not a part, a part of our church, but you're you're welcome. And if you like what you hear, then um, you know you can you can grab hold of that as well. You don't have to be part of our church to receive what I've got uh, to talk about this morning. And the other thing is, um, you know. Uh, a lot of the things that I might talk about, they might sound pretty um, mysterious and, and pretty strange to you um, if you, you, know, you haven't heard too much about Jesus in the past. But, um, but just hold on. Um, and uh, and if, there's, if there's things that are confusing, then just throw it. You know, you can talk to, the, talk to God about that. Go, God, what was that guy talking about? I don't understand it. Um, and I hope, <laughs> yeah, I, hope that it, I hope that it is good for you. Yeah. Awesome. I'm just going to pray because it helps me. Sort of focus my attention. Yeah, Lord, Lord Jesus, uh, you know the you know the words that I've prepared for this morning, and I I pray that uh, that that these words would would speak your word, and your word is one of, of life and of light and of freedom and of goodness. And so I, I pray, Lord, that um, almost like what I say is just a vehicle for for you and to bring our attention to you. May these things bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now I've got my focus back. Um, oh, I just lost it again. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Did you see the rainbows during the week? Uh, there were some incredible rainbows on Monday, uh, all day actually. And uh, we, we took Elena to daycare on, on Monday morning. And on the way, there were these incredible rainbows stretching across the, across the city over the Hutt Valley and, and over the Wellington Harbour. And then uh, later in the day, when I went to uh, pick her up, again, there were these exceptional rainbows over the city. And I, I think that a lot of people saw them. I heard stories. Um, I, heard, I heard a story about somebody having a, having a car crash as they... Um, she's right, Al. She's right. Um, a car crash as they, you know, as they stop to have a look at the rainbow. Because people, I think a lot of people, or maybe I can't speak to everybody, but I think a lot of people really like to see a rainbow. There's something magical about them, something mysterious about them. Eh? Um, they, they draw our attention. They're like these fleeting and, and somehow magical, uh, hopeful and beautiful um, visions of, of something in the sky. Uh, rainbows are visions but only illusions. Thanks, St. Kermit, for that pearl of wisdom. Uh, but this morning, I'm not preaching about rainbows. This morning, I'm actually like I'm following on from last week's message, which was when I was talking about centering and, and recentering our lives on Jesus. So today, the reword that I want us to think about is realign, realignment and realigning. So what's the rainbow connection? Da, 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 da. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? Hmm. Rainbow. <laughs> well, I'm not going to answer that, actually. Uh, it's a rhetorical question. 
Rainbows might seem like magic, but um, but we've been taught that they are an effect of the sunlight on raindrops or on, on particles of water, like in a mist. You know, the sunlight hits the water particles, and and the and the drops the drops of water uh, reflect, refract, and, and disperse the wavelengths of light uh, in in slightly different ways. And so um, so that we, the observer, if we're standing in the right place, can actually see these patterns of Patterns of color, you know, in a bow across the sky. Um, but you need to have the right conditions, and so on Monday we had the right conditions. There was a there was a southerly coming through Wellington with a, with a bit of rain. You need to have the sun in the right position um, at the right point in the sky. The raindrops uh, need to be falling at the right angle. Um, the water particles need to be in the right alignment with the sun and that my friends is the rainbow connection the raindrops need to be in alignment with the sunlight because this is this is a a picture of us and it's a picture of god it's a picture of our lives uh, reflecting reflecting refracting and dispersing the light of god it's a picture of how we live our lives in the light of god that's the rainbow connection for lovers and dreamers in me (laughs) <laughs> Alignment is when two or more things are positioned in, in parallel or in proper relationship with one another. Uh, you might have a car and uh, you've probably had your wheels aligned. And when you get that done, your car performs a whole lot better. You know, it, It's more efficient, it works better. And it doesn't have those nasty vibrations when you're driving into the city on the motorway. Alignment is when things are working properly together as as in the case of a car, as they were designed. But when things are out of alignment, when they're out of whack, we might say, they can actually be fighting against each other. We all live our lives in alignment with something with something, or someone. Everybody lives in alignment with, some, with something or someone. Ways of life, uh, the choices we make, what we buy, the clothes we wear, the subculture that we identify with, and so on. Um, and at the same time, like if we're in alignment with, uh, the, with something, then we're out of alignment with something else. And, uh, and a good example was actually uh, what happened just last week. Uh, you might have seen the polls that came out in the news about New Zealand's preferred Prime Minister. And uh, Jacinda Ardern, she's doing really well. And 63% of the people polled uh, preferred her as, as PM, whereas only 5% preferred poor Simon Bridges. Uh, so 63% of the people in the poll would align more with Jacinda Ardern and, and only 5% with Simon. So it didn't go very well for him, did it? No, goodbye Simon. Uh, all the best. Uh, but, in, but in this poll, you couldn't, you couldn't say both. You couldn't say, uh, yeah, Jacinda Ardern's my preferred Prime Minister and Simon Bridges is my preferred Prime Minister. You could only align with one or the other. It was that kind of question. Here's another example. When, when a couple get married, uh, they're, they're choosing to live in alignment with one another. Uh, they, they're going to live together, they'll sleep together, they'll hopefully have, have meals together, at least some meals together. Their daily routines uh, should often involve each other. You know, a daily, a daily alignment of what happens during their day. Uh, their plans for the future, where they'll live, uh, if and when they'll have kids. Like how to do life, big decisions, small decisions, 
in thousands of ways involving one another. During, during the lockdown, Tessa and I, uh, we had to align our daily schedules um, in, uh, in, more, in more ways than we were used to. So uh, it was because we were, both trying, we were both trying to work, we both had our jobs, and we were also trying to um, look after Elena, making sure she had a good time. Um, and so what we, what we ended up doing is we created a, created a shared calendar um, because we don't, we don't talk. So it's much better to do a shared calendar on your computer rather than actually talking about it. Um, and, and then we could enter in when, when we're going to be having meetings, when we're going to be having uh, uh, fantastic Zoom meetings and, and so on. Um, because we, we both couldn't be having a Zoom meeting at the same time. One person was in a meeting, the other person would be uh, looking after Elena. We do talk, by the way, just in case <laughs> you're getting the wrong impression of us. Yeah, when we're on camera. Yeah, we, yeah, that's right. We talk when we're on camera. <laughs> but anyway, that was just like a that was just a um, like quite a visual example of actually having having alignment in our in our relationship. The best marriages uh, seem to be ones where the husband and wife frequently and regularly choose to be in alignment with one another. And unfortunately, or fortunately, actually, it, it doesn't automatically happen on our wedding day. It doesn't automatically, you know, just simply happen when we say our vows on our wedding day. It, in marriage, it's an ongoing thing, and it, and it often involves self-sacrifice, uh, the laying down of what I want um, for, the sake of, for the sake of Tessa or, or whatever it is in, um, uh, in your situation. It's a laying down of what we want for the other. Last week, I talked about uh, Ephesians. I introduced the book of Ephesians, and I want to quickly recap um, Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's in, a, he's in a pretty tough situation. He's in a prison. It could have been in Ephesus, in the city of Ephesus, or he could have been in prison in Rome. And it was 2,000 years ago, and uh, conditions back then in a prison were probably pretty bad. He was, in a, he was in a tough situation. It would have been a grim place. But he's writing this letter to Christians in Ephesus, uh, and he's not writing about himself. He's writing to encourage them. He's thinking about them because they're in, they're in a tough setting as well. They're in a, in a difficult situation. I, I talked about last week how Ephesus was an important commercial city and, uh, and at the heart of, of Ephesus was uh, the temple for the Greek goddess Artemis. Everybody worshipped Artemis and, and worship and everything associated, everything connected with the religion was a massive part of the culture of the city and commerce. It was just, yeah, just really entrenched with what was going on. So Paul, but Paul writes to the Christians that, that their lives need to be different. He prays that their hearts will be filled with Jesus, that their centre be, be Jesus, be filled with Jesus, and their lives would have a foundation of God's love. And this really stood, stood against the culture of the city. It involved real uh, practical decisions. On, on the one hand, to not get involved with certain practices uh, that were commonplace in the city. Like An obvious one might be to not worship the goddess Artemis or not get in, involved in practices that, that serve to bring her, uh, the goddess, honour. And on the other hand, to take on certain practices, practices in, uh, in, in, in worshipping God and, and uh, following Jesus. 
Today, last week I was more looking at chapter 3, but today I'm going to work backwards to chapter 2 of Ephesians, and and I need to take another step backwards to chapter 1 to know what Paul's actually on about. He's He's been writing about Jesus in the first chapter, and he writes how Jesus is now sitting with God in heavenly places, that Jesus is above all rule and authority and power and lordship, above every other name. It's like he's saying... Don't worry, guys. Jesus has got this. Jesus has got this. And then he writes, so where do you come into it all? (laughs) You know, like he's just said, Jesus has got it. So where do you come into it all? Well, you were dead because of your offenses and sins. That was the road you used to travel, keeping in step with the world's present age. In step two, with the ruler of the power of the air. The spirit that is, even now, at work among people whose whole lives consist of disobeying God. Actually, that's how all of us used to behave, conditioned by physical desires. We used to do what our flesh and our minds were urging us to do. And what was the result? We too were subject to wrath in our natural state, just like everybody else. So Paul is saying to the Christians in this this very pagan city of, of Ephesus, You guys used to walk in step with the culture of the city, which was way out of alignment with the way of Jesus. You were walking in step with the world's present age, and you were out of step with Jesus. Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And it wasn't simply a matter of going along with the culture of the city. They were actually keeping in step with uh, the spirit that works among people that disobey God. Like he's pointing to like a, super, a supernatural dimension. Paul says, actually, that's how all of us used to behave, conditioned by physical desires. We used to do what our flesh and our minds were urging us to. He's using very inclusive language, isn't he? He's not saying, you naughty Ephesian Christians. He's saying, it's like we, we, all of us. Before coming to Jesus, we used to live out of step with Jesus and in step with the world and with the evil spirit that is, that is working to lead us away from God, away from life, leading us to death, doing whatever we desired. Another translation of this passage says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world. Well, that's how it was once. That was then, because then Paul carries on writing, and he, and he says, But when it comes to mercy, God is rich. He had such great love for us that he he took us at the very point where we were dead through our offenses and made us alive together with the king. Yes, you are saved by sheer grace. He raised us up with him and he made us sit with him in the heavenly places in King Jesus. This was so that in ages to come, He could show just how unbelievably rich his grace is, the kindness he has shown us in King Jesus. That's so cool. When we come to faith in Jesus, believing that he is God, accepting his forgiveness for our sins, our our offenses and and disobedience, that's that's the point in time that we transition from death into life. We were dead because of our sin and disobedience. 
And now we're made alive with Jesus because of his righteousness and his obedience. On, on Friday, um, just being, Andrea posted on the CV Facebook page about the ascension of Jesus. How 40 days after he was, after he was resurrected from the grave, he ascended to heaven in a cloud and is now seated with God the Father in heavenly places. The incredible thing is that when we come to faith in Jesus, we, we are transformed from being dead to being alive. We're raised from death to life through Jesus. And we are seated with Jesus in, in the heavenly places with God as well. With God the Father, the holiest, most incredible person in the universe. And this, this doesn't mean that we're somehow in two places at once. It points to how when we come to faith in Jesus, we, we are now abiding in, in God. And Jesus abides in us. We abide in Jesus. Jesus abides in us. Living in the presence of God. Being seated in heavenly places. We become temples of God. I've, I've talked about this quite a bit over the last two months. We become temples of God, dwelling places for his presence. Saved by sheer grace. Not because of anything we've done. In fact, it's in spite of the things that we've done. And this, uh, this leads us to a new future. It enables a new future for us. Instead of a trajectory uh, away, from, away from God, this trajectory that leads to death, we embark on a tra- trajectory that leads towards God. A trajectory of life. So let's read on in the book of Ephesians. <laughs> I can hear Elena whispering. What's she saying, Tessa? She's saying, can I have a bath? Do you want to have a bath? Maybe she later. She wants to be cleansed. <laughs> she wants to be cleansed. She wants to be baptised. Um, so, back to the serious business of death and life, right? Ephesians. Paul carries on writing and goes, How has this all come about? You have been saved by grace through faith. This doesn't happen on your own initiative. It's God's gift. It isn't on the basis of works, so no one is able to boast. This is the explanation. God has made us what we are. God has created us and King Jesus for the good works that he has prepared ahead of time as the road we must travel. Okay, let's take, let's take a pause. Let's just take a moment and uh, take stock of where where we're at. Coming to faith in Jesus is this incredibly momentous and joyful occasion. It's a complete change from death to life, from being out of relationship with God to being in relationship with God, from being disconnected from God to being connected to God who is the source of life and love, to being in intimate communion with God. When we ask Jesus into our hearts and we decide to be centered on him and to be centered with him, uh, we're, we're asking for our lives to be shaped by him. And now we need to walk in step with him rather than in step with the world's present age, rather than walking that road. We need to, we need to get walking in step with Jesus on his road. We need to begin living in alignment with Jesus. And living in alignment with Jesus means um, that we do things that reflect his way. Now, going back to the picture of, of marriage that I used before, if a husband and wife are able to align their lives 
with each other, it's so much better for their relationship. You know, they become they become a team, they become one. And it's a regular, a frequent sacrifice of one person for the other, the self-sacrifice for the good of the other. And it comes out of love. You know, when people get married, they get married because they love one another and they're choosing to be in alignment with one another and their love is what motivates them laying down their own their own lives or their own ways for the other person, that self-sacrifice. It's and it's the same with Jesus. Living in alignment with Jesus is is not is not simply an inward thing, but it's simultaneously outward. It means it means good works, it means obedience, it means living holy lives. Now, how we live is is important. Another translation of uh, the passage I just read, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And there's, there's this is tension here that we often feel. On the one hand, saved by grace, sheer grace. We're sinners saved by grace. There's nothing that we can do that changes God's love for us. Uh, we can walk in step with Jesus or we can walk in step with, with the world with our culture, God loves us either way. And yet, and yet, here's the tension, that is that God has invited us into a new future, to walk a new road, to do good works that he's prepared for us. Uh, it's an invitation to, be, to obedience, and it, and it involves transformation. Transformation, not behavior modification, but transformation from deep within. That's, that's uh, an, out, an outward reflection of what's happening inwardly. Serving Jesus out of love for Jesus. The legendary pastor, author, theologian, and all-around brilliant person, uh, Tim Keller, talks about, talks about three ways that we can respond to God. He says the first way is we can reject God. We just do. We hear, we hear about God, but we, we reject him. We do our own thing, living any way we want. He calls this irreligion, right? The second way is we can reject God by embracing and obeying God's law to earn our salvation. This is where it becomes all about good works, and it's saying, it's saying in effect, I obey God, therefore I am accepted. And Tim Keller calls this religion. But then there's the third way, and that's the way of the gospel, it's saying, I am accepted by God through Christ, therefore I obey. This is the way of true life. It's connected to the source of life, connected to Jesus, relating to God through grace, living in genuine freedom, in line and step and rhythm with the way of Jesus. And this season, Capital Vineyard Church and everybody that's listening in. I believe that God is calling us into alignment with the third way. It's an invitation into the third way, the way of the gospel, inviting the love of God to shape us, to transform us, to change us, to reform us, to refine us. And it involves looking at our lives and seeing how are we out of alignment with the way of Jesus? How are we out of whack? If we are God's workmanship, are we, are we functioning uh, as he's designed us to be? Or are things out of whack? 
It involves looking at our behavior, our habits, our lifestyle, the things we say, how we speak, what we think about, what we look at, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, what we, what we obsess about. And seeing those things in the light of God and, and making changes out of, out of response to what Jesus has done for us. It's an inside-out transformation, and it involves our participation. Ah, dear. Guys and girls, I think too often we're guilty of being passive, <laughs> blindly walking in step with, with what our culture decides is right and wrong, uh, walking in step with our culture and, and our desires when we should be finding out what God wants, what God wants, and walking in step with Jesus. Sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a reaction to how we, we can perceive Christianity to have been in the past, and, and especially in the recent past. I remember, Mum, I hope you don't mind me telling the story, Mum, but I, I often think about how you told me that when you, were, when you were young and you went to church and you had to wear a hat, all the women had to wear hats, and, uh, and, and you weren't allowed to go dancing. And those things, they just sound so religious. They sound so legalistic, and they sound so over the top. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like an exciting way to live. And maybe, maybe it was over the top. But, but the flip side is, is just as bad. We can tend to swing the other way and, and giving, giving no thought to the way of Jesus and what he's done to actually rescue us from death. Like So much of, so much of the New Testament is actually about how do we live. And sometimes we, we might act as though we've got this get out of jail free card and there and we just carry on with life and there's no change there's no there's no outward transformation no outward sign that we are now living temples of God and we really miss we miss out on what the apostle Paul says that we are God's workmanship created for good works works for works for us to walk in there's, I think that there's a deeper understanding of God's love and God's grace that, that often we're not grasping. And it's connected with the understanding of what we've been saved from. And it's, it's connected with the cost of God's grace. Tim Keller, he, he writes, Think about his costly grace. Think about his costly grace until the gospel changes you from the heart into generous people. Something I've been thinking about is how my sin resulted in separation from God and it was so bad, it was so awful that it required the death of Jesus. And yet Jesus loves us so much that he chose to die in order to save us from death into a relationship with God. In in another book to Christians um, in Rome, Paul says, so don't allow sin to rule in your mortal body to make you obey its desires, nor should you present your limbs and organs to sin to be used for its wicked purposes. Rather, present yourselves to God as people alive from the dead. That's a cool line, eh? Present yourselves to God as people alive from the dead and your limbs and organs to God to be used for the righteous purposes of his covenant. Sin won't actually rule over you since you are not under law, but you're under grace. 
Here's another picture of alignment that I've been finding really useful and it comes from the physics of sound. I think last week I was talking about English and I tried to give an English lesson. Today it's a bit more of a physics lesson. Sound waves travel through the air and they, and they finally enter our ears and we hear the noises. We hear singing, uh, voices, music, or um, in, in our house we hear the sound of our toddler yelling at us um, to get at what she wants. When you have two sound, two or more sounds in alignment, that's called constructive interference. The two, sound, the two sounds interact. Oh, I'm trying to do this. The two sounds interact, adding to each other, uh, and you get a louder sound. You think of, think of the sound that's produced by a massive choir or an orchestra, or if you've been in the stadium seeing a, seeing a football match or a rugby match and everybody's singing or chanting in unison. It's this massive sound. That's when, that's when sound waves are in alignment. But when sound waves are out of alignment, um, that's called destructive interference. And instead of adding to each other, they subtract from one another when they're out of phase, when they're out of alignment. When we walk in alignment with, with the way of God from the inside out, there's, this, there's a sense that our individual sound actually sits on top of his sound, uh, the sound of God, uh, the sound of Jesus, resonating with him, revealing uh, his life, his love, his glory to the world around us. You know that picture I talked about of the rainbow? Drops of water, these tiny drops of water aligned with the sun in a way that, that revealed the light of, of the sun. And they revealed another aspect of the light of the sun. It wasn't simply sunlight. It was the different wavelengths of sunlight. But each of those water drops is pretty small. And there's a sense that we as individuals and as a church... Uh, can live in a way that reveals the beauty uh, and these beautiful aspects of the Lord to those around us. So last week I asked the question, uh, who or what is at your center? Who or what is shaping your life from the inside out, from, from your heart? This week I'm taking it a step further. I'm asking, who or what are you aligning your life with? Are you, are you willing to be aligned with Jesus? Are you open to him actually showing you where you are out of alignment with him? Yeah. Can I encourage you, church, <laughs> to, have, to have a straight talk with Jesus, to have a vulnerable talk with Jesus, asking him to reveal his amazing grace and his amazing love for you, Ask for his Holy Spirit to, be pour, to pour out the love of God in your heart and ask for him to uh, realign you with the way of Jesus, to, re- to reveal things that he wants to change in your life. What are the things that he's highlighting? And the, one of the amazing things, the most freeing thing, is that when we, when we do something wrong, when we sin or you know, when we hurt somebody else, or when we, we live out alignment with Jesus, uh, he's, he's not, he's not, he still loves us. He still, his grace is still there. He, when he, he died for us when, when we were sinners. And so in that moment, it's an opportunity to turn to the Lord and go, God, forgive me for what I've done wrong. 
and change me from the inside out to help me live in alignment with you. Set me free from, um, from my pride. Set me free from, uh, from fear of other people. Set me free from my insecurities. Help me to understand the third way of the gospel. Reveal your love to me, Lord Jesus. You know, <laughs> it's got to involve that interaction with God, with Jesus. And so I'm going to finish with these words, these beautiful words of our King. He said, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Love that. Learn to live freely and lightly in alignment with the way of Jesus. How's that, people? <laughs> I, I think that in this, this, is a, this is an incredible season that we're in uh, as, as followers of Jesus uh, or as people that are, that are thinking about Jesus. There's this incredible opportunity for us to reset our lives, to be reformed and to be refined into the people that he's, he's actually created us to be, that he's destined us to be. Uh, I'm going to close in prayer now and um, I encourage you just in this moment to uh, open yourself up to what the Lord wants to do, what he wants to show you in, in your life. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for the for the for the price that you paid that we could uh, enter into the presence of the Father, of, uh, of our loving Father. Thank you that you have taken, you've paid the price so that we could uh, go, from, go from being dead to being alive in you. You took us from being lost in our offences to, uh, to actually being seated in the heavenly places mm. with you, Lord. And I, I pray, Lord, For all of us, Lord, I, I feel quite, I feel so inadequate uh, bringing, bringing this word because I'm so aware of, of how, how I'm out of alignment with you, of my shortcomings. And, and yet um, it's, your, it's your kindness that leads to uh, redemption. Mm. And, um, and Lord, I, I pray that uh, you would reveal to us your light, the light of your life, and, and you'd help us to uh, walk uh, in alignment with you, help us to walk that that amazing rhythm of grace, that free and light way that you have set before us, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We dedicate this all to you. In Jesus' name, amen.